Welcome to Pop Culture Legends, a mini-series from Digital Dissection, a nerd podcast. Pop Culture Legends explores the spaces in between mainstream and esoteric across the world of media. There's a lot to unbox across video games, movies, TV, and comic books. We hope you enjoy these spaces between those spaces. Today we explore the influence Final Fantasy VII had on a fan group in Pennsylvania. The unfortunate details of the alleged Final Fantasy house have disturbed and traumatized corners of the internet for years. So why haven't many people heard about this tale of abuse, manipulation, and fantasy that had gone too far? We'll provide answers and just as many questions on role-playing far beyond anything we've seen before. This episode does contain subject matter relating to mental and verbal abuse, as well as torture. We do want to stress listener discretion and caution if you find these topics disturbing. Due to names having been changed from various sources, we will adopt GameRant.com's code names for our known participants. To many gamers, Final Fantasy needs no explanation. But if you aren't intimately familiar with it, here are some of the quick details. The franchise as a whole existed since 1987, an anthology series developed by Square, later becoming Square Enix. The core of its original spirit involved a mixture of fantasy and science in the realm of role-playing, assembling small crews of characters with different abilities. Its turn-based combat and rich mythology helped define Japanese RPGs, with each standalone story collecting more fans throughout its history. In terms of its pop culture relevance, Final Fantasy titles have appeared on over 30 different video game consoles. There are over 15 games in the franchise, selling over 164 million software units, while simultaneously spawning movies, manga, anime, toys, clothes, and well, we're not sponsored by Square Enix, so we'll stop repping that catalog. Many, however, attribute part of the franchise's success to that of its seventh installment. Released in 1997, Final Fantasy VII would arrive after a three-year development cycle that initially began for the Super Nintendo, or the Super Famicom in Japan. It would land itself on the CD-ROM-driven PlayStation instead, incorporating pre-rendered videos, 3D computer graphics, and CGI backgrounds. It didn't just have the story to be a triumph of its time, it had the technology to back it too. In 2002, fans of Final Fantasy VII began a small club in the city of State College, Pennsylvania. In an age before Facebook, Reddit, or smartphones, the club's inhabitants would have to find each other through self-made fan pages, seeking out like-minded individuals who wanted to share their mutual love of the Japanese role-playing game. While these superfans would gather in a small apartment, it would colloquially be referred to as the Final Fantasy VII House. The leader of this operation has only ever been referred to as Genova, or Jen for short, her true name changing in almost all retellings of these events. By all accounts, Jen created the Final Fantasy VII House with her girlfriend, Hojo, and they fostered an environment 
where similarly minded superfans could visit, with various individuals traveling cross-country to meet up. Jen had a process in place to identify participants, or targets for the home, and would prey on individuals suffering from depression, offering the house as an escape from their lives. Over time, Jen used her methods online to specifically find people she could influence with the promise of a better home life. Unfortunately, upon their arrival, the majority of them would discover a completely different environment than what had been promised. The apartment itself was falling into an escalating advanced rate of disrepair. Jen barely worked, only occasionally picking up babysitting opportunities. Her girlfriend Hojo was a student who didn't work at all. Piles of laundry, garbage, and discarded food littered the apartment in an effort to make it more appealing to the eye, was covered in glitter. Inhabitants of the home repeatedly mentioned that it was possible that respiratory issues were caused by the constant glitter floating around the air. The air quality didn't just have glitter to compete with either. The already existing garbage in the home provided a repugnant odor that would disgust most. To make matters worse, however, according to those that did visit, Jen and Hojo rarely ever showered and loudly had sex regardless of privacy. If this weren't already bad enough, part of living in this home meant that financially, you helped maintain the lifestyles of Jen and her spending habits. Of her demands for the home, this required fresh fruit, vegetables, meats, and anything she desired. As you can imagine, this meant that a constantly high bill would be incurred on a week-to-week -week basis, and those who chose to live here saw their savings quickly deplete over time. One specific house member in particular worked at a local supermarket and surrendered his paycheck to Jen in order to live there. He endured this treatment for an undisclosed amount of time, but would finally leave the home when Jen stole his shoes. By this point, it's worth mentioning that, yes, Jen was not of sound mind, and by all accounts, she never had been. According to a 2004 Live Journal post, which we have linked in the description, Jen had been committed to a treatment center called Cross Creek Residential in Laverkin, Utah. She, according to all sources, had experienced delusions of reincarnation multiple personalities, and destructive social behavior. What we don't know, however, is if her stay at Cross Creek made these personality issues worse. Multiple lawsuits had been brought against the Cross Creek programs, as various individuals from staff to attendees of the program have brought up allegations of assault, rape, and brainwashing. The specific location that Jen attended has shut down, but one fact is consistent regardless of Jen's environment. The majority of her adult life had not been stable for her mental state. Knowing that Jen struggled with potential conflicting personalities, the landscape of Final Fantasy would be the perfect backdrop for her house of horrors. She decided to take the concept of role-playing that her favorite game had been known for but to take it to an extreme only an unhinged mind would be capable of. 
Rules were established for the inhabitants of the house, as they would specifically be given names by the home's leaders. Instead of roles, these participants were believed to be the reincarnated versions of fictional characters from the game itself. You may have noticed we called this a club initially. We're now upgrading that to cult for future reference. One of the beliefs that ringleader Jen required the house dwellers to follow and observe was they were quote unquote, soul bonded to their characters. That their reincarnated selves were meant to be bound to the behavior and the plot that Final Fantasy followed. The Soulbinders would act out the role-playing behaviors of their digital counterparts, including critical relationships between them and how they treated each other in the story of the game. In a comprehensive article written by Vice and corroborated by GameRant.com, participants in the house were subjected to various forms of abuse due to this practice of soul-binding. Regardless of orientation, Jen repeatedly attempted to force inhabitants of the home to sexually interact with their quote-unquote reincarnated romantic partners. When they refused, Jen made threats against them, including anything from removal as participants in the house to even being drugged to comply with her requests. Compliance seemingly was Jen's goal as the reincarnation belief meant that if a participant in the home did not buy in, there were methods that could be used to help them remember. Of the abuses mentioned by former house members, these varied from forced ice baths to being locked in a soundproof chamber kept in the Penn State Music Building. According to the National Library of Medicine, Sensory deprivation, particularly sound, can actually be peaceful. However, forced deprivation and continued exposure can actually shrink the brain and be extremely harmful. In this scenario, the house members subjected to this torture had a panic attack and developed violent shaking after being released. If by now you're appalled and trying to understand why you haven't heard this story before, there's definitely reasons to potentially explain why. First, it's important to understand that victims of abuse can experience intense feelings of blame, possibly feeling ashamed and placing fault on themselves. According to Delia Donovan, CEO of Domestic Violence NSW, minimizing experiences can be common for victims. Donovan also states that those who have been isolated from support may not even realize coercion and financial abuse in particular. By no means do we want to minimize the factors that contribute to information not being in the mainstream with regards to these events. The complexities of abuse involve many different influences, which seemingly have impacted individuals of the Final Fantasy house at various times. That is not to say that information has not come forward but it's important to understand that there are some aspects of what transpired that we'll truly never know. Those who have chosen to cover these events combine possible disclaimers that verification is difficult because of the few sources we have. Vice, GameRant.com, Reddit, and Down the Rabbit Hole podcast all mention this in one way or another. As we mentioned earlier in the story, 
There are compelling testimonials that remain on LiveJournal.com, as well as the website Demon Sushi, indexing personal stories of those who claim first-hand knowledge of what occurred. Ultimately, you can decide if you think these events actually happened. There is compelling evidence that points towards these being true, and abusers will often do everything they can to prevent the truth from ever getting out. The same can be said for this case, as much of the information that was once available has been deleted, or those who put the information out faced harassment from still loyal house members. One horrifying scenario is possible if you track the story in its entirety. This wasn't the only Final Fantasy house. Not only would Jen successfully recruit more people to join her later, but information available points to at least two more iterations of the same formula she began in 2002. What we're getting at is if the retelling of events can be believed, that means many more victims could be out there, and even more may never come forward. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Pop Culture Legends, a digital dissection miniseries. Be on the lookout for future episodes as we explore the relative unknown, as many pop culture stories lie just outside mainstream periphery. If you like this short story, why not like, subscribe, and comment as part of the Digital Dissection community? Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, as well as our dynamic content on YouTube. Tell us what you think. We'd love to hear from you at digitaldissectionpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, keep on dissecting. And if you ever join a fan club, make sure it actually isn't a cult in disguise. <laughs>